we both come from Georgia and we'd hack out in New Mexico. We're bound for Durango to join Palm TV and we're here Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Short. Great to be here with you and another episode that I'm personally very excited to dig into. Um where we're going to be discussing Heartworn Highways, which is a documentary that we will talk about in depth in a little while. But before we do that, Tyler, how have you been, my friend? I'm trying to think of anything that's momentous that's happened since last time we talked. Um, I KO'd one of my friends the other day at a show, and that was pretty much the worst thing I've done in a while. So <laughs> on, so I'm, I'm assuming by the way you said that, that it was by accident. Oh, yeah. Um, except for the fact that I saw it coming right before it happened. Uh, but right before it happened, but when you were probably too late to actually do anything to stop it. Yeah, right? I, I, I keep I, I told people I'd already pushed send on the kick. Yep. And uh, there was no there was no getting it back. It yeah. Was going. And then the only thing in the back of my mind was maybe it'll go over their head. It did it not go over their head. It didn't. Is your friend OK? Yeah, they're fine. They had a slight concussion. Wow. So that was serious. Yeah, it was. I felt fucking bad as a person who's had uh, more concussions than anybody I know combined. I felt very bad. Yeah, you got to watch out, man. Your brain's gonna look like a fucking football player's if you're not. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm gonna have CT either. There's no getting around that one. Well, I can't think of a joke about that. There's no uh, joke. There's no joke. <laughs> it was like I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to a. Um, I was talking to. It, it'll probably. It'll be out by the time. Uh, this is out, but I'm doing uh, the Form of Passion podcast next yeah, week. Yeah, with Ace. With Ace. And um, he was like, I got to get you on the podcast sometime. And I said, <laughs> I joked, I said, well, better make it soon before the CTE kicks in. And I was like, I'm just kidding, but but really I'm not. <laughs> I mean, you've been out there this whole time without even a helmet. So, yeah, you know, and I, uh, I, I'm trying to think. I can't remember if I've joked if I've told you this joke, but uh, like one of one of the last uh, tweets I can remember before Jack Dorsey took away text to tweet, and I stopped being able to tweet from my flip phone. Um, Which I was tweeted, probably for the best, Tyler. Let's be honest. I had a funny Twitter, man, dude. But it was probably for the best because I would just I would I would uh, tweet angrily at two o'clock in the morning from work all the time. So, uh, but I I, I tweeted. Um, I, I I think I said like I wonder how many more concussions until I sound like Tim Armstrong. <laughs> Man, that's uh just randomly now. I'm thinking I I still, even though he's had it for a very long time now. Whenever I picture Tim Armstrong, I don't think about that huge beard that he that he. Oh wears yeah, now. that that doesn't like I still me at all. Yeah, and so in my head, he still looks like fucking you know, mid nineties outcome, the mm -hmm. wolves, you know, baby faced. And, uh, so I'm still like jarred when I see him now, even though like, to be fair, it's been at least a decade, if not longer that he's, yeah, he's old as that, fuck really, now. that really long beard. Um, then I tell you that though, all things considered, man, him, Lars, considering all they've gone through, they still look pretty fucking great. Yeah. They should all be dead. Yeah. Um, Speaking of should all be dead, um, just kidding. I, w I was joking um, to my partner before we started tonight, thinking about the documentary, like how many 
of these amazing songwriters, you know, have passed on and, and mm-hmm. some of them died way too young. Some of them it's more recently, but I'm like, and of course though, fucking David Allen Coe will outlive everyone. Oh yes. Um, you know, um, cause I was just as like looking people up, like he was one of the few where I was like, is David Allen Coe still, still alive? He is still alive. 83 years old. Um, and still gigging. Um, which I happened upon some less than stellar reviews, but he's still out there working um, one way or another. But yeah, man, I'm uh, speaking of, you know, by the time we record this, it is today is Mardi Gras and I didn't have any damn king cake this year, which depending on who you are as a listener and what part of the country or world you come from might not mean a damn thing to you. Um, But I had, you know, made a little tradition for a while of getting um, or ordering one or getting something shipped up from down south um, every, you know, Mardi Gras season. And this year, just with fucking everything, man, work, the baby, everything else just totally slipped my mind. So um, anyway, if you, uh, you know, are observing Lent um, I hope you're partying before then. And if anybody asks you what you're giving up for Lent, say the same thing I always give up, hope. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a little uh, that's a little dark Southern ex-Catholic humor for everyone. Um, I didn't and, realize it was Fat Tuesday till I got to work today and all of the leftover king cake was up in the break room. I was about to say, I know Louisville with the fleur-de-lis everywhere has got to have some kind of Fat Tuesday tradition, whether or not, not really. it's not really, no, not really. Yeah, it's it's not huge in Memphis, except in like certain communities. And I feel like I there was a lot of it just growing up Catholic, and you know, to be very clear, meaning like culturally Catholic, like yeah. an Irish grandmother, um, you know, who would the type who you know, if you saw her tomorrow, would go around with ashes on her forehead all day. Um, but it was a, if nothing else, it was a good excuse for a party and to get real sugared up before some people, you know, deprive themselves of those types of things for the next 40 days. I don't deprive myself of anything other than the shit that I normally deprive myself from, which I don't want anyway. Right. So, yeah. um, it's a pretty good life then. Um, but anyway, I wanted some fucking king cake. I'll get some next year. Uh, I'll live. It'll be okay. Um, I'm sure there's still some in the break room. I can send it up to you. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be in great condition by the time it arrives. It's not stale already. And I'll choke to death on the plastic baby that's inside yeah. of it. Um, yeah, man. Fucking A. It's uh Oh, the other thing I'll say is shows and shit. I'm very stoked. Um, we've talked about this band once before. High Viz from the yes. UK. Great band who are very soon um later in the spring going to come to the US to I'm play some shows for the first time hell yeah so they've since added another one but the first new york show that they booked sold out in like minutes and it's a, it was at st vitus too which is a pretty <clears> small <throat> venue um comparatively and i got to give a shout out you know maybe i'll find out later that there's somebody behind this that's less than savory but dice which is an app um that I guess a lot of venues in New York are like doing their ticket shit on right now. They run a waiting list basically, which is within a certain time period, if somebody buys a ticket and can't go, 
they can get a refund and it can go to somebody to who's on the waiting line. list. They did that and, for LDB this year. Nice. And same, same company. So I put my shit in, I put my name in the waiting list and was like, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep asking around, you know, shows not for another month or so, see if I can get in or whatever, or get a hookup or if not, you know, I'll live, but I'd really like to go. And I get a fucking text today that is like, Hey, your name came off the list. You still want these tickets. You have an hour to claim it. And I did. So I was pretty stoked on that. Um, That's awesome. Who Who is the gig with? Just them or? Them and uh, Age of Apocalypse, um, who fucking nice. rules. So that'll be really fun. And then two days before um, is Earth Crisis and One King Down. Um, and Earth oh, Crisis dude. doing the you know 30th anniversary of Firestorm, handful of gigs. That's awesome. on there. So both of the same venue. Yeah. So um, for me, two gigs in a week is doesn't happen too often anymore, but I'm yeah, very, you're basically very excited on tour. about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. I <laughs> 15, 15 minute drive each way. Um, poor me and the sacrifices I make for this. So yeah, very, very stoked on that. And if you, you know, haven't checked out high viz, do it. And if you, um, have them coming through your area this spring, definitely go to the gig. We're going to give them unless a nice it's sold out. Cause a lot of them already are sold out. I'm Chicago, sure. it's sold out. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all, but that means I think those shows are going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun, um, packed and, and excited right on, man. So I think before we dive into the documentary, Tyler, we should talk a little bit more about this book that you've been reading because there are some connections, um, I believe to the, you know, last episode slash album that we talked about, which is train a coming. Yeah, there's uh there's a lot of drama around Traina coming that I wasn't aware of. So um Winter Harvest was the label that put out that they put out the CD because as we talked about last time, that was the first Steve Roll record to come out uh not on vinyl. Um but he um so apparently they edited the liner notes in the CD. Hmm. So and it pissed Steve off. Yeah, and like made him. I don't know because I don't know because looking at the liner notes of the vinyl that I have is surely whatever they decided to when that record was released in 2014 or whatever. Right, Steve had full control. Yeah, yeah, surely things were corrected. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad, however, has a CD version of it, but I, from looking at the layout for that, looked pretty similar. So I'm very Mm. curious to know what exactly they edited that messed with him that made him so mad mm-hmm. but it basically sent him on this um quest to start his own thing mm. and um jack emerson who was the guy who was essentially helping steve out in nashville all the way up until guitar town and then mm-hmm. steve said all right i don't need you anymore right. i'm moving on to mca and kind of ditched Jack, who was kind of acting as a manager, sort of just facilitator for Steve's career. Um, he, you know, kicked him to the curb. But Jack also helped launch Jason and the Scorchers after Steve kicked him to the curb. There Jason and the Scorchers coming back into the fold again. Always. Um, but he somehow gets Jack Emerson back on his team, and they start this imprint label called E Squared. Mm. Emerson, Earl, E Squared. Funny. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um but uh yeah so like jack mortgaged his house and they used his credit card and they bought train a coming 
damn from winter harvest to re-release it um and then this eventually ended up with steve getting sued by winter harvest for 120 grand for some something they did i guess i bet they i bet they put out a new cd and there was like mm. a time right constraint or something on, yeah, on yeah. this i'm sure he broke some little bit of the language because he was being impatient sure um but uh while the suit was uh while the suit was pending bill also broke who's the guy who facilitated train to come and happening his, his idea he gathered the players he did all this stuff dude dies of a heart attack holy shit yeah so i wrote down there's a thing in the book at the bottom of page 191 that uh so this is something Steve wrote about Bill Alsobrook after he died in uh in 1999. Uh Bill Alsobrook was my friend for 25 years. He took care of my instruments and equipment on and off the road. He was there almost every minute of I feel all right and El Corazon. He co-produced Train to Come and facilitated the continuation of my career in many many ways. He knew more about music than anyone I ever met. He was my best friend for years and in my darkest hour, he was my only friend. I miss him very much. See you when I get there, brother, Steve. Which we talked about this, that that line of he was, you know, his his best friend and in his darkest days, his only friend. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in the last episode. So that was, I guess, that quote is pulled from his little eulogizing that uh, yeah. Steve did for him afterwards. So yeah, there's that. And then uh, Jack was also the, so Jack was the first guy to court Steve. Um, and carried him to Guitar Town, where Steve ditched him right before making it. And apparently he died of a degenerative lung disease around this time as well. So Damn. everybody who kind of helped Steve out just kind of drops off. But I've got something about him on page 193. That So this is something, this is something somebody, uh, Brad Hunt, I think, is who this is credited to. Said so when nobody, I mean nobody, believed in Steve, Jack was the only guy. Not that Steve couldn't have come on, come back on his own, but Jack shortened the process by a ton. Steve would have had to make some independent records, prove he was staying clean, and that could have taken a long time. Jack shortened it by years. So when we're getting forward in this story, past this little you know look back at Heartworn Highways, we can know that the only <laughs> the people who got him here never got to see. Wow what they accomplished yeah that's incredible and just powerful like they're i mean it's making me think you know there are these stories that i didn't know of the you know people like jack and others behind the scenes you know for whom if if it weren't for them and everything that they gave and sacrificed Steve's career might not have never happened or, or been resurrected in the way it would have, or it just might've looked very, very different, right. Than what we've come to know. Um, and then there's the folks that like are part of this documentary going back to, you know, the mid seventies when there are several really prominent names that are featured here. And Steve Earle was, who's this kid, Yeah, you know, who's kind of just around. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it makes me think, we'll talk about it when we get into it. There are a few times when Steve is playing, like some of the reactions of folks like Guy Clark, and you can mm -hmm. you can just tell that they, there are those folks that are like, this dude is special. They saw him. Yeah. yeah. 
they saw him even at that, you know, early time or when it was going to still be many, many years before he was able to record and put out the, the kind of music that he writes the best, right? In my opinion. And then he made his career where, on. Where we're at right now, we've only covered one of my top five records. That's incredible, right? And we're <laughs> pretty deep in, but yeah. like, in the, you know, I, I love that. And I think that is a, even though that's, you know, a look at where Steve and his career were at in the mid nineties, as he's coming back and his train of coming came out. Um, those are some really clear connections though, to 20 years earlier mm -hmm. in 1975, um, when this fascinating, um, documentary heartworn highways was made, which, um, we've discussed before. I had seen clips of over time, sometimes not even knowing what they were from. Um, but this, um, in preparation for this episode was the first time that I like watched the documentary start to finish and um, rented that shit on YouTube. And that was three ninety nine well spent. And I rented opinion. it on Apple TV plus. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I will <laughs> say this, that if, if you're looking this up on YouTube, there is a free way to watch it, but it is shorter mm. than the theatric or the, the full length version of it. Right. However, the full length version is missing some of the clips of Steve. Right. Which are all available on YouTube. But you just, just got to piece them, them together. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But exactly. I will say watching this on the the I can only pinpoint two things that aren't in the YouTube version because mm. I'd watch the YouTube version for free and then paying to see the full length version. I can only really pinpoint two things that are missing and I'll talk about it when we get to those things. I'll say this wasn't, this isn't in the YouTube thing. I'll be excited to hear that. Yeah. And I will be honest. It's not really worth paying for. Fair, fair. The difference in, in, in what you get, you get pretty much all the good, the good watching it for free. So if you're listening to this and you don't feel like spending a few bucks to rent it, um, you just watch it on YouTube. <laughs> That's good to know. For, you know for a for a big, you know, massively popular podcast like ours, obviously we expensed mm -hmm. the charge on our yes. corporate credit cards, right? Uh -huh. But you know, I, we understand that. Not everybody has that luxury. Just kidding. Um, but that's actually really good to know, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I would have been afraid like, oh, am I going to miss something if I'm I was and, and that's and, why I wanted to yeah, pay. <laughs> that's good. But so good to know much uh, appreciation to you, Tyler, for for taking that one for the team. Um, so let's talk about it. I it opens just letting us know that this whole documentary is dedicated to skinny Dennis Sanchez, um, who Here's me again playing my um, poser card here. There is a country bar in Brooklyn called Skinny Dennis. And okay. I had, I've seen some good shows there. I also know that it's a hangout for a lot of people that I don't really want to hang out with, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like like any bar, if you're going to see somebody play, you'll have a great time. If you're going to hang out, there's a lot of uh, going on. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea that that place was named after Skinny Dennis Sanchez. And then I went on the website after that. And like there was, there's actually the owners put in like a beautiful tribute to him and clearly like know their stuff, you mm -hmm. know? So props to the folks that run Skinny Dennis in, in Williamsburg. Um, 
one of the maybe the only if not few like country and western bars um, or venues in new york or or this area that you know spotlights both bigger acts but also like a lot of small singer songwriters come and perform there as well which is pretty dope that's so cool yeah um yeah man he was six foot ten did you know that no i've never i don't really know anything about the guy but that is that's fucked they dedicated this to him um because he had he had just passed away in 1975 which is i cannot remember that he had a genetic disorder Mm -hmm. which is why he was so like he was six foot 10 and weighed about 135 pounds. Um, but it's not sustainable. No, for the period that Guy Clark was in LA, um, he was his bass player. Okay. And um, they became really good friends. And that's, you know, in LA Freeway, which then mm-hmm. is the opening song. There's a line basically about like, Dennis is pretty much the only thing I'll miss <laughs> about yeah. this place, you know? Um, and Dennis passes away at some point. Um, like early on there before the documentary was released. Damn, that's wild. I think the opening with LA Freeway is pretty rad. Oh, it's so good. It's a it's a great way to open it. The line, uh, if I could just get off this LA Freeway without getting killed or caught. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so good. And then this like humanizing moment. I, I had trouble because Guy Clark... Again, I'm I'm building more familiarity with him, but it's all been listening, right? Mm-hmm. And as I was watching him, I was really struck by how much his mannerisms are just like one of my good friends from Memphis, Matt Ward. Really? And so I'm having my own like little, I mean, even down to the like, you know, when he's a little drunk, he plays great. And then when he has a little bit too much, <laughs> it goes the other mm-hmm. way. Um, but like to hear him play this song, in my opinion pretty flawlessly and beautifully and then at the end he goes like a little loose you know it's such <laughs> yeah. a nice little touch man yeah no i uh there, there's two motherfuckers in this documentary that are infinitely cooler than everybody else and one of them is guy clark i completely agree um, he's incredible just the shit is both his plan and then just the other shit he does um throughout um the other thing I'll say is like, obviously at the time, you know, they were just like, this is not a, how would you describe this? I'm not a, I love film, but I'm not a film guy, right? It's a clearly was made with intention, but like, you know, there's no narrator, right? Like, so it cuts from scene to scene. Like that's the next thing I have written down. And, uh, and I actually like, dude, I, so I broke if you've got this in a chronology, then I will jump around in my notes. But I basically used that intro and wrote down everybody's name in it. Mm-hmm. And then I would piece in the things about them because so many, much of it is sprinkled throughout the entire um, documentary. Yeah. But I'm spoiled by modern documentaries mm. and the structure and like the easier to follow and the yeah. intent that right. they have because literally the lack of explanation of who some of these I wrote the lack of explanation of who some of these fools are is a little frustrating. <laughs> I would straight up. There were a couple times, um, like with the next person they show who's Larry John Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I would 
watch and then listen to some of the lyrics to the song and then go look at the soundtrack. Yeah. Find, figure out who that it was, was what I was having to do too. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I figured so, out multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like, and that's why like I would, I would advise if you want to watch this, you can just watch it for free on YouTube. You don't need to pay mm -hmm. for it because I think as a whole, it's a very cool piece of art, but it is not a very good documentary. I totally agree. Like the footage is outstanding, but it was yes. like, it's a, it's a bunch of clips. It's a mess. Together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like a, a shuffled deck. Um, but yo, I mean, moving into Larry John Wilson, um, wasn't really familiar with this fella at all. Mm -mm. Um, this is the second coolest motherfucker in this whole thing. Dude, he's cool as shit. Oh my God. I can smell the fucking cigarettes when this dude talks. You know what I, I mean? I made Ashton watch that part. Yeah. Just to be like, isn't this guy just the coolest guy you've ever seen? And she hates country music. I mean, he's cool. His speaking voice, like is so like he that that baritone that he speaks. Incredible. With. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me again of like my stepdad. And there's so many scenes here that I think hit close to home because it's like, you know, the decor everything around is just oh, so yeah. so 70s mm -hmm. and it's me realizing too that like you know being at like uncle's houses or my grandmother's house that they never you know, changed their house they the never 70s. changed yeah. it i was like it looked exactly <laughs> like this in you know into the 90s you know yeah. if not longer uh -huh. um and i can just you know there's something it's like funny how i can both i am both totally repelled by the smell of cigarette smoke and then there's also something like kind of fuzzy and nostalgic about seeing all these dudes oh yeah you know, just constantly smoking um but like yeah that simpler time simpler time man but like yeah cigarettes everywhere in the studio wood paneling everywhere both real wood and paneling um and i don't particularly love the song that dude Honestly, I do. It's it's you one do. of my favorites in the whole in the whole. The Interesting. Whole thing. What is the name of the river? It's a uh, Hoopy River. Hoopy River Blues mm -hmm. or Hoopy River? Yeah. Bottom, yeah. Hoopy bottom. River uh, Bottomland. Yeah. I mean, um, but his voice I, I, is I downloaded just... the record. I'm gonna get into it at some point because yeah. I I'm I'm fucking game for this shit. My other favorite little moment, though, and I'm saying this again as somebody who like didn't particularly love the song, um, when homeboy who i think was playing bass earlier is doing the harmonica part mm -hmm. and uh larry john wilson is standing there with him like the faces that he makes while mm -hmm. his, his dude is He's like producing doing the, uh, yeah man like <laughs> dude but it's like the harmonica player is not paying any attention to him at all and he's just doing his thing and he's back there like like making these faces and like go up go up. yeah um it's just a again like these are the moments that it's like yeah, worth watching the documentary just to yeah, see. Yeah, no, stuff it's like awesome, that. dude. When he uh, when he gets like in, incensed by how loud the electric guitar is when it comes in, yeah, it totally fucking throws him off. He just has to stop and be like, no, 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 we gotta. That hurts. Mm, that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was I don't know. He was he was so fucking cool. I love this song, dude. I mean, this is like like epitome. Like what brought me into country music is like this rock and roll aspect of like me realizing like oh like in the the music that i really really love like from the 60s and the 70s only got carried on 
in country and folk. Yeah. That's a good all point. All the rock bands turn into hair metal and shit in the in the eighties. Well, not all of them. <laughs> well, a lot of but them. a lot of them. <laughs> what like, what uh, what was popular at least? What was popular, right? It is funny yeah. to think about like that's always the interesting thing, not to like sidetrack too much, but I think it relates to this, right? Because you can think of like all this stuff was happening in the mid 70s and it's not like nobody was listening to it, mm-hmm. but it clearly wasn't anywhere close to as popular as like the big hit shit playing on yeah. the radio, right? And I think a lot of the same things when I think about the 80s and like you'll think about where Steve was in relation mm-hmm. to what was popular in country or rock, where hair metal was, but also there was like REM and the replacements. You know what I mean? All happening at the same time. Um, and it's funny too, I, I was just the other day having this conversation with somebody younger than me about like, you know, well, grunge being so big in the early 90s and me having to be like, yes, that's true in terms of there were guitar bands playing non-hair metal featured prominently like on MTV. But I was like, I guarantee you, I remember this from being a kid watching. I heard fucking, you know, CNC Music Factory and Marky Mark 10 times for every time that I heard Smells Like Team Spirit. So let's Mm -hmm. not like totally rewrite history here in terms of pop music, you know? Um, Nirvana wasn't the Beatles. Right. Nirvana had a seat at the table, but they did not own the table, you know, by Mm -hmm. any means. Um, But it's it's just so cool though, because Larry John Wilson, again, both of us mentioned like for... People like us, if, if it hadn't been for this documentary, lost to time. That yeah, was not absolutely. a not a person I was familiar with. And this gave us such an introduction to somebody who's just a badass and a and a great singer-songwriter as well. Yeah. Incredibly cool. I'm a fan and I'm excited to dig into his records. Fuck yeah. Well, I'll be excited to talk about that more. Even though, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of this particular song, but he's cool enough and it's good enough that I'm definitely motivated to explore some more of his catalog. Um, and then we cut away to Mr. David Allen Coe driving his own tour bus down the highway. Um, which I remember wondering if he always did that. Um, That's literally or, the first thing I wrote down. <laughs> or if he just did it cause he knew he was being filmed. Right. That's the first thing I wrote down. Dude. Amazing. <laughs> I wrote so curious how accurate him driving his own bus is or if, or if it was a bit for the doc. <laughs> right. Like he clearly enjoyed talking on the CB radio uh-huh. and like impressing all the other truckers about yeah. like, yeah, we played Dallas last night. It was crazy, man. Um, there's 8,000 people who played with Willie Nelson. Yeah. 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 Um, but there's David Allen Coe mm-hmm. on his way to play Tennessee State Prison. And just in his a, element? In his element in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll have more to say about him a little later, mm-hmm. but like, especially when, you know, we get to the scenes later where he's actually playing that gig. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, just, it's a funny thing because, you know, stylistically the, the cut from, you know, everybody else in denim and flannel, um, and just kind of doing whatever to this dude, um, you know, with, earrings and rhinestones and like you know all dressed up driving his own bus like tooting his own horn literally and figuratively 
Um, and on a stretch of, of I-40 eastbound between Memphis and Nashville that I've probably driven, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. So it's like just funny, too, to like look at that footage from 1975 and go like, I know exactly where he is. He's got a, <laughs> he's probably got about 45 minutes to go, you know, like <laughs> those so kind of things. So, um, but yeah, that it's, it is, like you said, it's a, it jumps around, right? We go from in the studio with Larry John Wilson to David Allen Coe driving the tour bus to um, two old men in a bar, <laughs> basically, yeah. um, which I found out through a little research is the you know long defunct Wigwam Tavern in Nashville. Um, and one of the men talking is the proprietor, uh, Mac McGowan. Um, but they have a fucking hilarious conversation that in, involves, in my opinion, some of the funniest lines in the entire doc right here not gonna lie i couldn't understand what one of them was really talking about even well, though he sounds just like my grandpa <laughs> i was about to say mac mcgowan sounds like my uncle max rest in peace and i think that's the only way i could translate the particular like you know tennessee holler hick of of his accent um but the the funny thing is it's two dudes in 1975 complaining that country now is too modern and snobbish. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the dude, Mac McGowan, who is, you know, a little bit of a boomhauer, like in terms mm -hmm. of like difficulty to understand, says, is trying to say that he thinks Johnny Cash's career is done. Yeah. Johnny Cash done shot his wad. Yeah. Is what he says. <laughs> These dudes just have the worst takes, but mm -hmm. they're also like, there's something very endearing about them at the same time, even as they're just, you know, spouting the most insane nonsense. Yeah. I mean, you, you listening to them talk, it's like, Oh, I know, I know these guys. Totally. I know. I know a bunch of these guys. <laughs> Dude, did you peep the jar of like nasty ass hot Awful. dogs floating in brine? No, there? Yeah, man. Ugh. I swear to God, dude, I could, I could smell that place. I could smell the, the PBR and, God knows whatever. Um, How any of these people live to be 50 is a fucking miracle. Oh, and they were, whew, it was, it was rough living you know, oh, yeah. for sure. Um, but that is just such a funny damn thing to think about. Like, yo, same as it ever was, right? Mm -hmm. Everything was always better when you were younger. Yep. You know, like, mm -hmm. and it just again and again and again for eternity. And I just have sworn as I age. And I think for the most part, I've done a pretty good job on it that I'm not going to be one of those motherfuckers that, you know, talks shit on what's going on now just because it, it's different, you know, because mm -hmm. like, um, and frankly, I think being still actively involved in hardcore helps with that a lot. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, having to, having to kowtow to a younger generation all the time. Yeah. Otherwise you seem dusty as fuck is important. <laughs> right. Where, where both there are times where I'm like, ha ha ha, that's cute. And then other times where I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad that a kid can like wear this to a show now and totally be mm -hmm. themselves and nobody gives them shit. Cause that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. And no. you know what? That sucked. Like mm -hmm. there was no yeah. reason for it. Mm -hmm. Um, so fuck yeah. But yeah, it's two, two old dudes complaining and, um, and, and very drunk too at the same time. So, oh, yeah. um, pretty fucking funny. Um, and then we get that old time feeling out of that, which is so just that, that part, honestly, great editing, great editing. Right. Yep. Oh man. The old times, the old days. Um, God, like 
Fuck yeah. And at least, yeah, at least they edited in some Guy Clark there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, I mean, my notes are all over the place, but it, it doesn't, it, we go from there to meeting Towns. Oh my God, there. dude. The, the intro to Towns in this is so fucking funny. Dude, he's, I mean, he's I guess, nuts. He's nuts anyway <laughs> and drunk. Um, and giving a tour of his yard basically yeah. the entire time, like the animals he keeps and he introduces his dog before he introduces his girlfriend. Perfect. I noticed, um, mm-hmm. like, yeah. What is Dude, when he tries to get her to hold the whiskey and she doesn't take the whiskey, he goes, well, just take the gun. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to hold a whiskey and Coke and a gun at the same time. And then like, Fucking he's so proud of control. He's got a tree house with then like intercom in it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, you know, and just clearly like I get the vibe of like what a super kind man who, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to harm anybody, but like, God damn, what a mess this dude is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get um, where he would just disappear for months on end. Totally. And nobody knew where he was. And he went another, after this was filmed, you know, another 22 years of hard drinking and heroin use. Um before he finally succumbed like incredible um dude when he climbs in the hole oh my god and tries to act like something's pulling him in yeah like what a fucking what did he think this was no idea yeah there's there's a sense through some (laughs) of it of like how tickled he is that this like documentary film crew like came to his house like guy clark clearly gets what's happening yes He's just there. He's trying to do his best to live in front of the camera and just right. treat the camera like it's another person. And he doesn't need to just talk to it. Mm-hmm. He can just exist in front of it. And that's what they're looking for is like, what are their lives? Right. A glimpse into their lives. And Towns is like, I got to perform for this thing. He's performing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, too, because David Allen Coe, I believe, is performing for the camera as well. But oh, it's, it's mostly sure. Towns is, is a more like earnest, like, mm-hmm. uh, what do I do? Okay. Uh, let me tell you about this. Whereas like every, every a little word, kid, a yeah. totally a little kid, yeah. like, you know, Oh, there's a camera. Um, it's almost like he burned his brain when he was a child. Oh my God. Totally. Whereas David <laughs> Allen Coe, I felt like was just like scripting every word that he said yes. in front of the camera, you know? Um, but they also introduce us to, uh, at, uh, Towns's house, he introduces us to this man he refers to as Uncle Seymour, mm-hmm. Seymour Washington, um, who is, I'm going to do some more reading and research into this dude, who is mm-hmm. cool as shit, first of oh, all. Oh, dude, he was amazing. Um, born in 1896, um, is an expert blacksmith, you know, so he he drops a little knowledge as well, mm-hmm. telling like all the secrets of all he's learned from like putting horseshoes on mm-hmm. and, you know things like that over the years um and gives this you know fascinating little speech that they also you know put a clip of on the soundtrack Mm -hmm. where he's basically like you know god created barley and rye you know if he didn't want us to have whiskey like that's not something he would have put here but but and it's clear he's like trying to send towns a message to like yeah. you gotta you gotta moderate this man you gotta uh-huh. slow down, 
And Towns is very quick to give it right back to him and talk about like, man, I've had to carry you home. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, no, speaking temperance in in the presence of Towns Van Zandt is pretty fucking hilarious. It's amazing. His story was inspirational as fuck, dude. The way he just talked about his craft and whatnot was so cool. It was so cool. And it was so... Goddamn, their relationship was so genuine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You could tell that he was like... They took care of each other Mm -hmm. Um, as neighbors. You could tell, you know, um, because it it goes from them kind of like jokingly, like, you know, throwing little barbs at each other about drinking to then when Towns does waiting around to die. um, Honestly, one of the most profound scenes in the movie, you know, Uncle Seymour starts to tear up while he's doing the song, which was just like, goddamn. There's yes, so much man. beautiful and there's so much there just thinking about one, what that man has lived through. Cause at this point he was born in 1896. He was almost 80 um, at that point in 1975. And you could just tell, you know, towns being this, you know, white kid young enough to be his grandson or even great grandson. Yeah. Um, he can see what a damn talent he is. And I've got to imagine this could just be projection, but that there was something there too about like, I'm trying to get you to drink less, man, because you've got something really special here and mm-hmm. I don't want you to fuck it up, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It, it definitely, you could feel that, uh, that care in that shot. Dude, also the shots of Town's fingers, like this, the cinematography in the documentary is pretty fucking great. Yes, I agree. Like um, it's very well shot. Very well shot. Um, hardcore connection, as always. Do you think, um, do you think Riley was thinking about the song when he named "Waiting Around to Die" um, the the song on Nightmare Logic that Power Trip put out? Lyrically, it has very different content, but it's the exact same title. And I had never thought about that until <laughs> watching this documentary. Yeah, no, me neither. Honestly, yeah. I don't have any evidence of that at all, but it, I, it made me curious. Um, because you know what I, the what I knew of Riley and you know my many friends who were very close to him, um, he had very eclectic taste. Would not yeah. surprise me at all if he to find out he was. A and that's an incredibly fan. Texas thing to do. Totally right, Texas. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all to find out he was into Towns Van Zant. So if anybody listening knows um, that, yeah, it's a waiting around to die a killer track off of Nightmare Logic by Power Trip and. Who knows? Maybe it was a nod. Um, Makes sense. This song. Yeah, it would make sense to me. Totally. Not that far out. Um, can I tell you a couple things about David Allen Coe? Is that where we're going next? That's where I'm going next. Do you want to talk about something else before then? No, I mean, is, that, a, is that where we go next in the, in the doc? We don't, we don't go all the way to the prison stuff, but they have him. The, I still um, sing the, I still I still sing sing the old it. songs. Yeah. I hate this song. I hate this song. Um, <laughs> I hate the song. David Allen Coe is from Akron, Ohio, and moved to the South at the age of 28. Not, okay. not as a kid. Uh-huh. You understand? Like, it, it's an act, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, okay. and I, and I feel like there's something there about, like, I can't help, again, to make the hardcore comparison again he's fucking John Joseph of outlaw country in that two things are true. 
one, he's lived through some rough shit in his life. Like he truly was. He was institutionalized mm -hmm. as a child, like thrown out by his parents. He dealt with some he rough. He is talented. He's super talented. Dealt with some rough shit that really happened. Mm -hmm. Two, he lies like every other sentence yes. that he speaks. Yeah. Both of those things are true. And who knows? Maybe some of that was a survival, you know, fucking mechanism that he learned at some point, you know, mm -hmm. in and out of jails and other institutions as a kid. But like, it was wild to like dig in a little bit more on him. Um, and like, as somebody where it's like, I knew and appreciated some of the hits, right? You yeah. know, if that ain't country, you know, or just mm -hmm. like, he's got a great voice. That's always been undeniable. Yeah. I also knew that he put out all those like underground basic, like racist songs um, yeah. over the years that like, Fucking, he also doesn't stand by those at all anymore. He, he doesn't. Them. And there's um his drummer is a black man who is actually the either son or grandson of Clarence Gatemouth Brown, a famous blues musician. Um, I, I read way too much about him. But so I can <laughs> I can it's one of those things where with David Allen Coe, I can both see the the complexity of his figure, but I cannot get over this idea that everything down to the accent is put on. Yeah. Like, dude, you're not and he's not from like Southern Ohio, close to where mm -hmm. you are, Appalachia. He's from Cleveland, man. Yeah. You know, and didn't it's industrial not like, Ohio. Yeah. And he didn't come down <laughs> to Nashville at a young age. He was 28 years old. Um, so I mean, good on him, but it's a little rich hearing this dude being the one who, you know, sings the songs that praise the Confederacy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Dude, when it fucking zooms in on his gun, I fucking died laughing. I know, man. I fucking died laughing. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, cosign. All that. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. I, I like some David Allen Co songs. Oh, I don't dude. like him as a whole. Like, I don't think he has a good record. No, he doesn't. And there's just interesting stuff that I, maybe this is guitar dork shit, but like the phaser that just plays nonstop. When he like later on, oh no, when he's it's... playing like the whole the whoosh of the mm -hmm. and that was like a choice he made. He always had that shit playing on his guitar. Sometimes you can't hear anything else yeah. except that, and it's just it's such a weird choice yeah. that sometimes takes songs that otherwise would be decent and makes them sometimes unlistenable or just like a lot less good yeah. than they would have been otherwise. No, I agree. Um, he needed somebody to like sit him down and you know tell him shit but i think it seemed like he had been basing all of the latter part of his life just around like nobody's gonna tell me shit so mm -hmm. um you gotta give him props for that i guess yeah i guess it works for him it did <laughs> yeah and again like so many of the you know great artists singer songwriters featured here have passed on some Not a him. long time ago some more recently <laughs> but yeah this dude's 83 still kicking um and look if you haven't seen what david allen co looks like in a while just google it jesus i can't um, imagine because he yeah. looked bad then yeah i mean and now he's like trying to dress like a pirate or some shit fantastic um, he's got some dreadlocks that i'm assuming are fake oh, but who knows no. like yeah yeah that's oh, no <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough man um he's a clown but damn good voice um I think this next moment, though, after we get through with I Still Sing the Old Songs, you see Rodney Crowell doing Bluebird Wine, and I think this is the first time we see Steve Earle. Um, 
I made a note of it. He might have made a brief appearance earlier, but he's playing mm-hmm. guitar with. I don't Rodney. think I even noticed this because they're out. Are they outside playing this one? No, I think this is one of the first clips they showed from the like the, you know, the party at guy's oh, okay. house. Yeah, yeah. God, for some reason, I thought that uh, I thought this was a different session than that that hangout. Um, yeah, I, could be I just, wrong. dude, yeah. I just got familiar with this song because of getting into Emmy Lou recently. Hell yeah, that's awesome. So I was like, when that when this song hit, I was like, oh, this is hitting different than the first time I watched this. I know this song now. That's awesome. And is is Rodney Krause someone that you knew before? Not really. Yeah, me neither. I didn't at all. Um, and I haven't, you know, I haven't explored much. I've got um, one of his albums downloaded on my iPod to dig into at some point. Yeah, because again, I after this, <laughs> I dig what I hear. Right, mm-hmm. this, this small sample size here is really cool. Um, but yeah, I believe this is from the you know the same hangout at Guy Clark's house, which was Christmas Eve, nineteen seventy five. Um, is where. Oh, that's All amazing. That was. Yeah. Um, again, just little shit that I put together from. I didn't realize it was Christmas Googling Eve, which Africa. makes sense for something later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I liked the, I liked the road footage during this one too. Yes. I liked how that was cut in there. I thought that was cool. It was so cool. Um, cause they've got road footage here and then they've got road footage when Steve Young does Alabama highway. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think again is from the same session. Um, but you know, yeah, again, like stylistically, sometimes they show the person singing for pretty much the entire time. And other times they put in the song and and put other footage, I guess that the crew gathered while they were filming. Um, yeah. Driving all over the place. Right. Yeah. Um, which looked really, really cool. Um, we talked earlier about Guy Clark, you know, being one of the two coolest motherfuckers in this entire documentary, which I agree with, man, I love the scene of him working on the guitar. I made Ashton watch that too. Oh yeah. Tell me, why'd you make her watch it? Because she's like arts and crafty doing shit for movies and stuff. So I was like, I feel like you'll appreciate watching this man just like master his craft. It was, yes, I totally agree. Um, he he approached it with both a casualness, but also an attention to detail mm-hmm. that I really loved the way that he talked about like, have I worked on this guitar before? Yeah. Like, cause this is how I do it. This is how you I know? fix this. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, so cool. Made him tell him the story of like, okay, you got this in Austin. Yeah. I know that guy. Okay. Maybe I did work on this guitar before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and down to like, you know, cutting, cutting the bone for the bridge and the nut and, and just so cool. Right. Like here are the parts where, you know, measurements and precision matters and then here are the times where you just fuck off yeah like every you know especially acoustic guitars man i don't pretend to be an expert but they're so damn sensitive to humidity and weather conditions Mm -hmm. and shit like that so you need somebody like guy who like just knows how to make it play right rather than is just going to follow an instruction manual or something right but it's such a like cool moment to just watch when he's talking about the glue yes the the importance of using water soluble glue and not something that'll rip the wood so you can just constantly be able to get in and fuck around with things. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. That um um I recently listened to um this uh this podcast. I, well, I listen to it every week. It's this American Prestige podcast. Hmm. Um and they did an episode where they talked to this guy who wrote a book about uh George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And um essentially he the the book mainly focuses on how like star wars is a vietnam film 
Um, mm. But he talks about, uh, they talk about American graffiti on the podcast and they talk about how um, like even in the, like the sixties when American graffiti was made, um, or I guess now the seventies, even in the seventies when American graffiti was made, it was so, people were so ready to be nostalgic for 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Because even just going back 20 years, you went back to a time when you as a person had the ability to like go out and fix your car yourself. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot more autonomy over your life in general and a lot more agency to like just make things happen yourself because we hadn't like specialized everything that we do in our lives. And I think like watching him talk about this, like reminded me of that like idea of like, man, this is like. This is someone who can always look at something and go, well, that isn't broken. Yes. Like, that's not trash. That can be, that's like, it's not working now. Right. But it can work. And I think that like, I don't know. I just wish there were, I wish we didn't move. I wish that uh, move fast and break things is the worst attitude that American, like, I don't know, like, 20 to 30 somethings ever just wholesale adapted as mm -hmm. like like an ideology yeah because like maybe move slow and prepare for things to break yeah i mean there's something too just about uh i had that is fascinating i'd never like thought about yeah just that nostalgia piece especially that connection with the time you know in the mid to late seventies. Cause this is, you know, a little bit before star Wars came out, mm -hmm. right. That this documentary was made. Um, but something too, about like that, not only time wise, like the ability to fix your own shit, but also the like necessity of it, mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't have the money to just buy another one. So I need to take care of this one and make sure it works. Or even in those cases where even if I do, it's not easy to just buy new shit. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like, cause the market wasn't completely flooded. Yeah. Right. With, you know, everything. And that's true about guitars, cars, clothes, pretty much, you know, every kind of like consumable that we use for things. Um, so yeah, it like such a nice moment, him working on that guitar, but that to your point, Tyler, I think represents like so much and you learn so much about guy as a person. That's my favorite part in the documentary. I agree. I wrote that. That's it was like it was just fun to watch and you don't have to be a musician or a like guitar dork to like appreciate the the craftsmanship and just yeah like, like I literally yeah. wrote could watch this for hours. I know. And I you know what also I'd never seen because it's also pretty rare now, except on really high-end guitars, that they use real bone for the mm -hmm. nuts. Um, you know, I think like high-end like Gibsons and stuff like that will still have those. But a lot of times it's, you know, graphite or some yeah. other kind of material. I'd never watched somebody like, you know, get in there with the saw and like mm -hmm. just talking so about cool. like, yeah, it's awesome. Um, hell yeah. So Guy Clark fucking rules. That's like one of my takeaways from this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and goes, goes directly into Texas cooking too, which is one of my favorite Guy Clark songs, period. You love these kind of folksy kind of, I mean, I'm, I don't mean this insulting, like a little bit corny 
songs oh, right dude, it's so cool he's so cool he's cool dude i'm not it's taking so that earnest. away it's so earnest though it is earnest but yeah he's talking about a like big old plate of fried okra yeah it's <laughs> what the songs of dude legit okay so we 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 went and saw the new avatar movie a few a few weeks ago and afterwards ashton was like well it's a little long like i mean do they have to show like them just like living with the water people for so long and i was like that was my favorite part of the movie <laughs> the part where like nothing was wrong and they were just like living and being children that was great you know what i appreciate that i do i do that's where i want to live well and it's 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 telling too though about you know like guy is able to write some like I mean, you know, yeah, I love the, the the same dude who's who does L.A. Freeway, mm -hmm. you know, is doing Texas cooking. Um, I think I just love that record so much, too. Like that's I think that might be my favorite Guy Clark record, because there's really only three that mm -hmm. old number one and Dublin Blues are really the only ones I've really dug into. But uh, I'm excited to at some point explore his records maybe on here. Same. I mean, it. Well, my buddy it. Scott really wants us to. So, okay, well, Scott, that'll be for you. Yeah. Um, if I mean, if you, I mean, y'all, anybody who's listening, you know, what I love about this so far, because if, if it's not clear, Tyler and I did not start doing this because we wanted to like do numbers. Although we appreciate everybody that listens, like this is, we're having a fucking blast, right? Mm -hmm. What I can tell from the moments I have spent with the analytics is, um. The people who listen to this listen to it every damn time, and y'all fucking rule. And God bless. We'll we'll talk about, um, you know, maybe down the road some special shit that we would love to do for y'all. But like for real, um, follow the Instagram page Hardcore Troubadour Pod and send a DM. Nine times out of ten, if you've got an idea or something you want, we'll probably end up doing it at some point. Uh, this was one of those things. <laughs> this was one of those things. Exactly. Like I already um, wanted to talk about this, but I'm yeah. glad somebody else was like, you should talk about heart one. So it was super affirming, <laughs> right. To get a message and be like, yes. It's like, have you seen this? You should do an episode about this. And I'm like, you got it, brother. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Like fucking cool as shit. Um, right on. So, okay. Where, are we okay? Gamble Rogers, another character that I was not familiar with, <laughs> not at all. Uh, who tells a wild ass story? Um, the most rambling story I believe I've ever heard, right? It was like a <laughs> My, like... yeah, yo, go ahead. Let me read you and then you can ex give your thoughts. I wrote no familiar no familiarity with this Joker whatsoever. The most rambling story I believe I've ever heard. I went through it twice to try to really follow. Yeah, it's it's like a uh, you know, here's my take. It's like Tom Waits, but less cool. Um <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one of those, you know, some of those Tom Waits songs where it's just like there's something going on in the background and he's, you know, telling a story about a like one-armed man on shore leave or something like that, which I fucking love. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not going to pretend like it's all like coherent, yeah. right. Either. Um, so yeah, he tells this long ass story, um, and then sings a song about Jack Daniels and. Which honestly I got, I came around to it after listening to it a few more times. Cause I, I had the, 
after watching the doc, I had the soundtrack saved on my iPod mm. and every day or so, or every couple of days, I would just run through it in between us doing train of coming and doing this. Ah. Um, and I came around to this song, but I straight up hated it the first couple of times I listened to it. Well, maybe I owe it some more listens too, because I only listened to it the once and I, or I guess twice, once watching it and once on the soundtrack and I don't like it. So I'm going to go ahead and say the last two times I listened to it, I was like, that's not that bad, but okay. I listened to it 10 times. But see, that's <laughs> one of those things where like, I'll, I just start to, you know, ponder about like the limited time I have on earth and it can be like, I can come around to thinking that, you know, black label blues by Gamble Rogers is not a bad song, but should I really spend another moment of my precious existence on this earth listening to it when there's so much other great shit out there? Probably not. Yeah, no, no, you're good. <laughs> I'll let you know that it takes 10 to figure that out. Yeah. Well, that's eight more than I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> see, I'm quick with math. That's a former fourth grade teacher there. Um, they go back to the bar at this point, right? The wigwam tavern. Um, oh god dude and it's just a it's quite a scene of characters in there but old uh -huh. mac mcgowan is introducing his wife i think who sings a song called let's go all the way that that's that's all i got here um, her fit is out of control it really is green velvet um, bodysuit fucking wild that's literally all i wrote for it and i do think it's an interesting contrast here I mean, I don't have anything else to add about that part, but it, but it goes from, we've talked about, you know, there's not much of a narrative arc here. It's just like a, you know, the clips kind of put together, Yeah. but they do go from this scene, you know, of a, you know, very small group of people kind of hanging out, doing a sing-along in this bar to Charlie Daniels, like setting up to play, you know, a big show, not an arena show, but a big show in like a high school gym mm -hmm. um, where he appears to like know a lot of, you know, maybe it's a hometown show, but like yeah. greeting a bunch of people before and showing the crew set up. And I, I appreciated that too, just because there is something that feels very punk. Um, oh about yeah. Like, Oh yeah. We're not in a bar or like a club or a place like that. Like mm -hmm. we we're in the hall. We're putting this on. We're putting this on. So there was nothing there in the gym. Mm -hmm. They had to bring in the PA, every fucking thing, put in folding chairs, you know, yeah. like all that. And it, you get a lot of cool scenes of like just the crew putting everything together to do mm -hmm. this, you know, Charlie Daniels show. Um, and then when he does it, he gets out there and kicks some ass. Um, yeah. I, uh, uh, I will say this is not in the YouTube version. Okay. This is something that you're missing. Um, but again, I mean, so also the Charlie Daniels song that he plays is not on the soundtrack. Texas, right, yeah. Which is possibly, I'm going to assume, due to rights reasons. Probably. Because Charlie Daniels is the biggest thing on here. I would say probably, yeah. I would think. Yeah, no, because, none. Nobody here ever had a hit as big as "Devil Goes Down to Georgia." The yeah. devil went down to Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. I will say though, I have complicated feelings about Charlie Daniels. Well, he turned into a real asshole the last few years of his life, yeah. from what I recall. He was a frequent Fox News guest and that yes. kind of thing. And I mean, um, but even in the even in like the eighties, he was seemed pretty, pretty 
gung ho for Reagan and shit. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, but wrote some damn good fucking country western rock and roll songs. Yeah, can't really argue with them there. Yeah, I don't know much about him, frankly, other than some of the hits and then kind of the caricature. Because I remember at the time, you know, like during the like during the Obama years, he became a Fox News fixture where just, you know, the subtext of all of it was I am angry that a black man is the president, um, even though there were a million legitimate criticisms of Barack oh, Obama. Yes. That was basically mm-hmm. what they had. Um, and it was just so funny because they would like, you know, in the same breath when a, a musician or an actor or an athlete would say something, be like, I stick to music, stick to sports or whatever. Coming up next, Charlie Daniels is going to give his take on, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what makes this old dumbass like qualified to, you know, weigh in on this, but Hey, he agrees with you. So you're going to feature him. Right. Of course. Um, and that's, so I just kind of like wrote him off like, yeah, that, that tracks. This is kind of who he became. And he died um not too long ago in 2020. Um, I'm I'm not sure if it was COVID related, um, but given his age and everything else, that wouldn't. And have the been... fact that he certainly wouldn't get vaccinated. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was before the vaccines were available, but he definitely would not have, even if they mm. were. Um, but all, yeah. So just a few years ago, Charlie died. But I think you're probably right. Then, like, I hadn't thought about it, but that's probably why the song's not on the soundtrack. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's, it's good... because he was huge. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. Oh, it's so, a great song. Yeah, I mean, dude, he like given me complicated feelings on Charlie Daniels, uh, the one of the songs that I love is uh, what this world needs is a few more rednecks. And he legitimately like bashes um, the Soviet union in the song. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, think it's awesome. <laughs> dude. Totally. I mean, you, I'm the dude a hundred percent. If you, I mean, put on Oki from Muskogee, I'm singing every word. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Even though like it is not at all who I am or what I stand hmm. for. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, so that's, and I think that's really, that's Charlie Daniels' only time in there. Like, it almost yeah. had the feeling of, hey, man, there's a Charlie Daniels gig going on. You think we could film some of that, too? <laughs> and, like, going and in it, and doing it. Yeah, and it is truly the only thing missing from the YouTube version that I think is worth seeing. But also, I'm sure that's why it's not on the free, on YouTube version. Yeah, that makes so it's much sense. He's, he's huge. I hadn't made that connection. Mm-hmm. So we go from there to another huge show, um, which is David Allen Coe at Tennessee State Prison. Um, and we talked a lot about him earlier, right? Um, but there's some just funny moments in here in like the... I can't believe he dressed like that at every gig. Oh my God. Like the rhinestones, the earrings, the... Rhinestone cowboy, man. Yeah, man. And it's also too, I feel like when I was younger and like became familiar with him, he always had a beard. So seeing him clean shaven, um, he seems to think he's very beautiful too. Um, Mm -hmm. and he's not, Mm -hmm. um, but like he made several references. Like, it's almost like, well, of course, you know, all the men in prison wanted to have sex to fuck me. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking lunatic, dude. Absolute fucking lunatic. Um, so yeah, he's, he's nuts, but he, it's interesting because he would, you know, use his time there like he's he's getting interviewed before the show and as much as he's like full of himself he's talking about like we need more psychologists 
mm-hmm. in here for people to talk, you know, talk to. You got one person, one psychologist for 5,000 men? Like, what the hell? That ain't, you yeah. know. Very um, cool. And then the the really funny story he told from stage or, or observation about, like, the guards driving Cadillacs and talking about that the drugs was in fantastic. here. And yep. it was like, dude, you're, you know what, man? Again, as much as, like, you are a clown and full of shit in a lot of ways, respect because he was up there pissing the guards off yes um but knowing his audience and he had them eaten out of the palm of his hand which was fucking awesome yeah i wrote uh <laughs> i wrote uh the cadillac and drugs joke is great um his prison story is what makes me certain at this time in his life david Helen co has to have been one of the most annoying people on planet earth oh my god <laughs> Dude, it was truly one of those, like, just shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. Like, I bet being in that bus with him was miserable. Um, yeah, just totally full of himself. And again, like, you know, it. I'm wondering how much cocaine had to do with that. Probably a lot. And then it's just knowing this, too, as much as like there is, it seems to me, based on what I know of his biography, a pretty blurry line between what's him and what's a character. Yeah. Um, because he he put on a persona, clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, he made the move to the South. Like, he became this country star. But at some point, he became David Allen Coe. You know what I mean? And, and like, what was a, like, calculated choice of kind of, like, once he got out of prison in, in Ohio to, like, reinvent himself just became who he was. Um, and that's who he's fucking been to this day ever like, since so ever guess, since and again respect i guess love it or hate it the great songs the like terribly offensive songs the fucking hanging out with dime bag you know in the 90s like mm-hmm. all that shit happened so um but yeah he he plays a pretty it's it's telling right like the contrast of he plays a very prominent role in the documentary but it's all just him right like he's not mm-hmm. he's not part of this group with no guy and not a community he's not anything like that exactly exactly and so it makes me curious like you know when like just what the the what the relationship was like at that point between any of those dudes and david Mm -hmm. allen co you know because i knew they had to have known each other perhaps gig together cross paths but um like you just it's just hard to imagine like what would guy clark and david allen co talk about if they were like in a room together, you know, dude, yeah, I can't imagine much. It might just be Guy Clark just drinking excessively to drown him out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was um, gonna say, I don't think Guy Clark would say much. I think it would just be yeah. David Alanco talking to himself. I think you're totally right. Mm-hmm. I think you're totally right. Um, and then we cut back to uh, Guy in Susanna's house, um, where you know, there's a big group of people and it's uh, fucking, yeah, Christmas Eve, 1975. And you get a little bit of Steve doing Elijah's church, but which like, if you're interested in hearing the rest, um, the full clip is available. Um, if my notes are correct. Um, when, when does the, the Steve Young Alabama highway part happen? That happened yeah. earlier, and at least in the version I watched. Okay, we didn't. We just didn't talk about it. Oh uh, no, I thought we were talking about it when we talked about the uh, 
the road footage earlier. Oh, okay. Well, we you, we just mentioned that it happened. Or there's road footage during it, but That's I did want to yeah. dude. The green screen fade is so fucking rough. Oh, I don't even remember it. It is so rough. It is so clearly like, oh, they did not have the t- to really make this look right at all. That's like, so dude, funny. it legitimately might be worth you going into the free YouTube just to watch the 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 cut. Okay, like I'm gonna the, do that. The scene, the scene transition. It is so fucking bad. It is so fucking bad. Um, song bangs, but um, the screen like because it, it basically like green screens him over images and it looks oh god it looks worse than any skype background i've ever seen i'm remembering this now yeah it looks so bad it legitimately looks like he just filmed it on skype i mean i guess it didn't strike me as much because i was just like yeah this is what shit looked like yeah it's just it jarred me because i was like man this is a really bad decision to do (laughs) this like this yeah like and there's just no reason for it you didn't have yeah, to do no it reason way. for it you didn't need to do yeah. you need to enter, introduce some cgi into this so funny <laughs> into this fucking documentary about country music guys like, no, like you, heard, you heard this guy george lucas yeah he's working on some shit man let, let, let me try this um because so are we basically at the end of it right now because the barefoot yeah. jerry thing Oh the yeah, the instrumental thing, the the instrumental. Yeah, I had to just figure out that this was barefoot Jerry. I didn't know to. I think at in the credits at the end, they yeah. is is where they first say who that is. Yeah, it's just again with no commentary because there's no narration or anything. Just the studio footage of 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 barefoot Jerry kicking ass. I don't think this was in the YouTube version either. That's not in the free version either. I yeah, don't okay. think so. I don't remember. I don't remember watching the YouTube version and having a moment where I felt like I was confused and on drugs. Yeah, because they never, they don't say who it is. They don't. Nobody there talks. It's just them it's playing. So disorienting. The instrumental. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. so disorienting because they're all lit with different colors and it's just crazy music. It was the seventies, man. It's crazy music. I don't it understand. It, it legitimately not for me. Oh, it was terrible. There's like a weird guitar solo and like. Yeah, it was. I think that's probably why there's no notes from me on it because it was just weird and kind of forgettable. I had so many notes about it because I was just like, I'm so jarred right now. <laughs> I mean, what do you, do you know who Barefoot Jerry is? Were they just a no? And I'm never going to find out. I don't care. <laughs> I, feel like I feel like slightly traumatized by this. I mean, it did feel like some. It was. It was like some pseudo psychedelic kind. Yeah, it was of like stuff, trippy music. It was fucking yeah. very weird. I just uh, like they like, opened for the Grateful Dead or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I just wanted to make sure we touched on the 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 green screen and how yeah. jarring that was because I wanted to let people know, like, if you're interested in watching this, you're not gonna like it all. <laughs> oh yeah, it's. I mean, you said it so well earlier, Tyler. Like, as a documentary, it sucks. Like, if you if somebody turned this in, like, as a film student, it'd be like, so you got some great footage here. What are you trying to communicate? Say. What are you trying to say? Yeah. And that's that's not what this is. This is a, no. a a collection of snapshots of snapshots that are some of them incredible. Um, and that's why it's worth a watch. But like, yeah, as a as a coherent piece of media, it falls sh- quite short. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I uh, the the stuff I've got on Steve, just just in general, all mm-hmm. Steve, it's crazy seeing him so little. Oh my god! Yeah, like 
he's so young. But dude, again, I mean, Larry John Wilson and Guy Clark, Steve Earle, the third coolest motherfucker in this thing. Totally. He's and so there's, cool. There's some special little moments as well. Again, some of which which didn't make it into the documentary, but are available in extra clips where you can you see how highly some of the other folks think of Steve, even though the way he's guy the points to him when he starts playing mercenary song, where yeah. you can clearly see that like the they're just rolling, they're just rolling tape. Mm -hmm. And Steve starts to play mercenary song and guy like gets gets the camera's attention and like points, like right. get this. And guy's trying to like get him to play. Like at one point he goes, like, you got any new ones? You want like he wants, mm -hmm. he's like, you got to get more of this kid. Mm -hmm. Um and after he finishes Mercenary Song, you hear him like say to Susanna, boy, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and again, it's just incredible to hear that. And then know, I mean, not only for Steve, it would be over a decade longer until he became, you know, a household name putting out his own records, but 20 years before he actually recorded that song. Yeah. Um, and put it out on a record. Um, it's just wild how much happens in between mm -hmm. this and, you know, what we had just talked about on Train of Coming. Um, yeah, there's a a few of the things. Well, I should say, before talking about like the some of the stuff that's on the soundtrack that's not in the doc, as well as some of the other clips that you can find yeah. on YouTube but that weren't in the doc. It it closes or on the soundtrack. Or yeah, exactly. Um, it closes with them all singing Silent Night, mm -hmm. um, which again is it's it's just really nice. Um, mm -hmm. And it and it seemed very like again authentic, organic, yeah, organic, right? And I'm I'm also just thinking about where a lot of these folks were in their lives because if they're if they're hanging out together on Christmas Eve, getting drunk and playing right song, exactly yeah. like this is their family. Mm -hmm. Right. This is where they're at. And, you know, which I didn't know that context. And that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know where I read it, but it, in one of the, you know what, there is, I'll send it to you when we're done. There's a New Yorker article from 2019 about Steve. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about, um, I think it's about the, the guy record mm -hmm. had just come out at that point. And so they mention Heartworn Highways because it's Steve talking about Guy Clark. But he um, he has a funny line in the interview where he says, like, well, I knew I had to get this Guy record done because I had done Towns. And if I got over to the other side um, before I had made <laughs> this Guy record, he would give me shit for all of eternity for that. Um, that's awesome. which is so good. Right. But in that article, when they talk about heartworn highways, that's where they mention that it's like, you see Steve playing at Guy Clark's house on Christmas Eve, 1975. So, um, yeah, that was their, that was their family. That's who they were spending the holiday with. That's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, some other great stuff here. What, uh, what else do we got? Um, Elijah's like church, Elijah's church. Um, and say I've got the, the I I don't have these things written down. Um, I've just got them kind of in order of like the Steve tracks and then the other people's tracks afterwards. Yep. So there's are either extra clips or on the soundtrack. 
Yeah. And worth seeking out. Yes. For sure. Because I do, I did notice you get a little bit of Elijah's church on mm-hmm. the show, but on the soundtrack, you get the whole thing. Yes. Um, and then Towns doing Poncho and Lefty is on the soundtrack, but not in the dock at yep. all, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird. Which is weird, especially because that's, that's such a big song. Yeah. That's, is, would you say that's, that's the biggest been, song? Yeah. That's, that's the his biggest song, song right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I thought. Um, for sure. And then I, what else is on the soundtrack that wasn't in the doc? Um, I don't know. You wish you just want to go through these songs and talk about what we what we what we got on them rather than list them and yeah, let's do that. Away some because I got a feeling on one of them. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, let me pull up the track list here. So um, let's talk Elijah's Church because it's it's this is canon, right? This has got to be if you're a Steve Brawl fan, this needs to be a song you're familiar with. I if totally you've never agree. reached outside of any of his live albums or studio albums this is one that you should know i honestly am obsessed with this song right now it's incredible um i agree i've, I've like heard that. about this song because it's about his great-grandpa mm-hmm. and like like we we talked about him before on another like podcast like he moved he this is the one who moved him out to texas yep elijah's church he built it with his bare hands and we, I think we addressed this when we talked about him before, but uh, that church, like he let any denomination come and worship there. Like even mm-hmm. like a Jewish congregation would come there and worship because he felt like a house of worship is for anybody mm-hmm. to do with it however they feel they need to worship. So I thought that was which, incredible. Um, which was and is a, a rare attitude. Yeah, especially then. <laughs> right. And it's also special here, not just because of the song, but in the context of the documentary, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned this before, but just to reiterate, they guy, I think, asked Steve to do the song. Yeah. He says, would you do Elijah's church? Like he was like, I want. He kind of like shakes his head too. Like, oh, yeah. Cause there's something like it, about like it's going to put him in a place to do it. Totally. But like guy was like, you need to, the mm-hmm. world needs to hear this. We've got a film crew here. Do this song. Right. Dude, when when you can even hear guy's voice in the recording too, mm-hmm. like when when everyone's singing along, you can you can distinctly pick Guy Clark's voice out when everybody's yes. singing along to the chorus. And that chorus is amazing. It's so good. It's Damn. it's it runs in my head all the time. That's like probably, I, I I can't get over the song. I mean, that's probably what we're gonna open the episode with. Then I was debating yeah. between a few things, but I think it has to be Elijah's Church. Now, this song um, should have been on Train of Coming. Yeah, I wonder why it wasn't. I don't know. Huh. I mean, the way he shakes his head like it puts him in a place to play, like maybe he just wasn't cool with facing that. Maybe. Again. But, but I, I feel like know. he's got a lot of songs like that. Yeah, you'd do think. You, do you know if this is, ever makes it into his set lists? I don't know. Yeah, I'd want to check it because I've I've I'd honestly it live, heard but... about this song, but I'd never heard it before we right. did this exercise. Yeah, it's, it's Scott who I was mentioned earlier. This is his favorite Steve Roll song. It's incredible. I'm thinking about like now there are other artists where it's like the thing, like that somebody's favorite song or that's like one of the like canon or something like that, but mm-hmm. that's not anywhere else except this one place you can get it right. Uh, Taking Back Sunday, the Ballad of Sal Villanueva or whatever. 
Oh. That's my favorite Take Back Sunday song. It's not on any record. That's amazing. Not on any record. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was like just a thinking, bonus track. Or I was thinking about how for so many years, you know, the um, not like as a bonus track or whatever, but I feel like when streaming services were first out, um, you could get all the blacklisted LPs and EPs, but Eye for an Eye wasn't. Oh, um, yeah. Anywhere. Even nowhere though, USA still isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like, you know, <clears throat> being the the song right yeah. like people like notorious for the live performance they had to stop playing it because people were fighting too much that's right that's right <laughs> um but it would be like the defining song and if uh you know somebody who had never gotten to see them was like let me check this band out that's not something they would find mm -hmm. um unless somebody specifically showed it to them right um so yeah do you know well this is making me think of other questions too then because like did this soundtrack like when I looked it up on Spotify, it was 2014 as the copyright That's when, date. That is when the vinyl got it came out. So this wasn't available then before then. Is that? I think 1999 the CD came out. Okay. But I think the vinyl edition, because to not to give anything away, but we may revisit Heartworn Highways at some point because I may buy the vinyl which comes with a book. <laughs> I mean, if it comes with a book, it's probably worth getting. Yeah. Um, so there may be a 30-minute episode of Heart, of Hardcore Troubadour in the future that is just us being like, this is what we missed. <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm looking here now. Um, I mean, so clearly, Elijah's Church, worth the fucking price of admission or not just for that. There's... Our Darling, commit me. Let's let's do the Steve. Let's get the Steve. Let's the do the Steve, Steve songs out of the way. Yeah. Um. Which the other thing is, there's a the. That's on the soundtrack, and there's also a clip of him playing it, mm -hmm. and it's like the one clip of Steve in another place. It looks yeah because like, this wasn't I noticed a guy's that house. Too. Uh, I don't know where they were. Um, I don't know either. But it was like somewhere else. Looked like a little more formal studio setting, perhaps. Um, it's a good song. It it's ain't. a great. I I think it's a great song, and I think it's honestly incredible how much better it is than anything on that fucking rockabilly record. I mean, when you put it in that context, then yes, absolutely. Because that's um, the next. That's the mm -hmm. first recorded output he's going to have, and yeah. he had already written this song. That's true. Come on, bud. <laughs> but I mean, I'm putting it too in the context of just the other Steve stuff that you get here, which is Elijah's Church and Mercenary Song. Yeah, but I mean, um, I threw this on my fucking playlist. <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's um, sick. I think it's a cool. It's a cool, cute little. It's 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 <clears> a it's a Steve Love song. It's it's it's, just, it's it's catchy. It's cute. It's yeah. It they're they're never my favorite Steve songs, but it's it's perfectly it's perfectly good. I, I mean, I I don't disagree with any of that. It's perfectly good. It's but it would be of the like actual tracks we have. <clears throat> on this soundtrack of Steve's, it would be three of three for me. Oh yeah. Oh no, for sure. And I would say even if jumping off of the soundtrack and getting onto one thing, that's just a clip, the cover of stay a little longer. Yeah. Rodney and Steve do that's on mm -hmm. YouTube, but isn't on the soundtrack. I'm guessing maybe because of rights issues. That's the only do. thing I could imagine. Yeah. But for some reason, this wasn't. It's honestly a fucking crime that this isn't on the album version. I agree. 
because this this cover is so much better than the original. And I oh. think Bob Wills is okay. I, I think totally... Bob Wills is okay. My reference point is the Waylon song. Yeah. Before anything else. But I listened to the original several times and I like it. Okay, this cover is the way this song should be played. I completely agree. Man, there's so much. I mean, I'm sorry to be jumping around, but that's just kind of how that's the nature of this documentary and soundtrack. Oh, yes. Is is John Hyatt anywhere else in this? No, film? isn't even mentioned in the in the in the in the thing whatsoever. Yeah, I, it was before we move on from stay a little longer. I just yeah. have to say Rodney Crowell was adorable at this point in his life. He really was. What a cute. He's, he's incredibly cute. <laughs> <laughs> I like w- watching them play that cover. I was like, I was just like drawn. I was like, I was like, oh my God, this, this man is, is precious. I totally agree. Um, like if you, if you could have just stayed this way, like it's almost like a, like I can't imagine like being this, this person's mother <laughs> and having brought this angel into the world. <laughs> but yeah, no, if you want to go to John Hyatt, um, this is, this is the worst thing. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, it just made me go. I was doing a double take and I'm like, not only is it not great, but like, why is this here at all? Yeah. This doesn't have Z- anything. Yeah. Z- zero familiarity with this dude. And off this song, I have no desire to change that. I mean, did we not talk about John Hyatt at some point here? I don't think so. Oh, wait, yeah. Maybe we did. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Cause there was, man, where does his name it? get brought up? Steve, one of God, what was the you song? You might be right. One of did he write one of these songs with? Yeah, he wrote a song that I want to say was on Exit Zero that sucks. Um, Oh, you might be right. Yeah, and I was like, oh god. So this is what makes sense that this song that I'm like, who? Why is this here? And why does it sound like that? And then you look and it's like, oh, this is a John Hyatt song. Um, Does he know where the bodies are buried or something? Um, Who knows? Some real. John Hyatt fans are going to come at us. I mean, the first thing you look at Google, you know, John Hyatt, who the LA Times calls one of rock's most astute singer-songwriters of the last 40 years. And I'm like, well, based on the small part of his output that I've seen. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't agree. Um, but, you know, he's clearly put out a lot of shit, both that he's recorded himself and that he's written for other people. So, um, but yeah, John Hyatt, not in the film, not mentioned in the film has a song on the soundtrack that just does not need to be there for a lot of no. reasons. No, yep. it's, 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 it's bad. It sucks ass. You heard it here first gang. Sucks, <laughs> sucks ass. ass. Um, man, there's some good shit on here too. On the Desperado's on... waiting for a train. That um, that guy Clark doing Desperado's waiting for a train is not in the film, but is on no. the soundtrack. I think it is a fine version of this song. It's fine. It doesn't it doesn't make me crazy. But also, this song just doesn't really make me crazy. But it is like a this is a classic guy Clark track. Like yeah. Do sure. you like it better than the Ballad of Laverne and Captain Flint? I love this song. Yeah. Yes. Because that's the other so guy fun. track. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I agree. It's such a fun song. It's yeah. so it's it, I it's such a bright song. I just I love Guy Clark, dude. I think he's I am amazing. It's, I 
am still building familiarity, but the deeper in I get, the more I love. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. But he's, I mean, it's, I was just, as I'm reading those off, this is, you know, transparently, right. It's just like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's another one that's on the soundtrack that wasn't in the movie. Right. And um, I will say like the record, like, uh, I think this is, that song's on Texas cooking. If I'm, if I'm correct right now. Um, and I have never really fallen in love with it until yeah, it's on it's on Texas Cooking. And now I know when I'm listening to that record, I'm gonna be looking forward to that song coming up. Oh. And so, this this version of it is what turned you on to that. It brought me in. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Sometimes that happens. I've seen that's happened before. I wish I could think of an example, but like you're reminding me of times where it'll be like there'll be a song you know, by a band that I'm like, eh, kind of eh about on the record. And then I hear them do it live. And then I come back to the, to the record and, and like, I'm like, oh, I love okay. it so much more. This song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I sat down with it, I could think of some examples, but that's happened multiple times in my life where there was a mm -hmm. track that might've been either just kind of meh or maybe even a skipper. And then I'd hear him do it live and I'd be like, wait, I know. Oh damn! And then have a, just a whole newfound appreciation for it when I went back to listen to the record. So um, that's fucking awesome. Yo, speaking of, so the version of Poncho and Lefty, one of the things comparing from hearing it in one way and hearing it in another way, um, I don't think Towns ever plays a song the same. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because uh, he's got so many different like times recording songs on different records and i think yeah. he plays every <clears throat> single one of his songs differently every time he plays it i think that's probably just frankly one of the reasons why it's been hard for me to really get into towns mm -hmm. um the stuff that i love i love and i certainly see why for steve earl and so many people he is one of like the quintessential like influential singer songwriters but um yeah, it, I think hearing you say that and me being like, yeah, I think that's why maybe a lot of songs don't stick with me as much because it'll be like there's several different even studio recordings mm -hmm. of this. One song. of my favorite town songs is there's there's a couple versions of it and one of and well my favorite town song there's a couple versions of it and only one of them is my favorite. <laughs> Interesting, but like yeah, it takes. You got to think about like how much dedication and like listening time it takes to realize like what you love the most, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, and uh, my intro to Towns is 100% Steve Earle, not just as a fan, but like the Towns record. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, no, I feel like that's also got to be playing a role in it for me is that I think for most of those songs... Steve's version is, is the, the version you're, first, yeah. first one I heard. Steve's um, version of one town song is my intro to that town song. And uh, I like it so much better than the town's version. Yeah. Like, I feel like that happens quite a few times. Um, and I'll, I'll be interested as we get a little further in Steve's discography, um, you know, into the era where he's doing these like tribute records. records yeah. Um, yeah. That like, I've found that to be true for a lot of things when I've gone back and like listened to the original or at mm -hmm. least the original singer. Um, 
I mean, clearly we have a pro Steve Earl bias, but there's a reason why, like, you know, it's even, even when watching this documentary, like when you first like kind of hear his voice, I had like a, there it is yeah. mm-hmm. kind of moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's so distinctive. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I fucking love it. Well, um, on, on, on the subject of covers, we got one song left and it's the Hank cover that Steve Young does on the soundtrack. Yeah. Almost couldn't recognize this song because it's played so differently. It's played so differently. It's right? cool. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it take it took me a couple listens to be like, oh, okay, I can hear. Oh, yeah, I this is Hank Williams. This is, yeah, I can yeah. hear that this is that because I knew the song title. I was like, oh, it's a Hank cover, and then I played mm-hmm. it, and I was like, is it? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because I think in my head you'd just kind of expect it to be faster, faster. <laughs> I mean, you know, and what already isn't a super fast song the way mm-hmm. that Hank Williams originally did it, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely his own interpretation of it. Um, it's cool. It's not one of my favorite things, though, mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, considering all the other, like, killer material that's here. What is your favorite thing on the soundtrack? I mean, it's got to either be... So I'll do I'll do Steve category and not Steve. <laughs> okay. Um, it was, so it, it, all things considered, is it Elijah's Church? It's Elijah's Church, Yeah. all things considered. And it's the I best think... song on it. I totally agree. And then I think otherwise it's probably um I got a toss up between LA Freeway and Waiting Around to Die. Um Mine's a Hoopy River. Damn, dude. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it fucking not, jams, dude. It rocks. Dude, the fucking Hoopy River, man. Dude, it's so sick. All the instruments sound so good. The fucking. I'm, gonna, I'm going to Georgia in a, in a month and a half. It's in. It's far away from Atlanta, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's in South. I, I looked it up. Um, <laughs> of course you did. Because he, I mean, he references that it's really like because they're making some joke right they're like everybody's heard of it right and it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's probably more like big a enough. creek <laughs> like you can have to jump over yeah. jump over right but it's in like far south georgia like close to the um florida state line okay. which is where um where your boy's from um larry john wilson i was about to call him john larry and i'm glad i corrected myself larry john wilson put some respect on that name um fuck yeah man I cannot believe that's your favorite song on the soundtrack. It fucking rips, dude. dude. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to be like, hell yeah, what a good end to the episode. Now I'm just like, really? Well, no, really? no. It's my favorite non-Steve song. Non-Steve song, okay. But you like that better than L.A. Freeway? Yeah. L.A. Highway? God damn it. The next, the next song would be the Ballad of Laverne and uh, that would be my next favorite. All right, man. Hey, Something for everybody. LA Freeway is good. I love Guy. Dude, if if I had to pick a favorite Guy Clark song on it, it's fucking Texas Cooking. It's just not. I don't. I've got something. Those kind of songs, man. I, I my got, life is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just my, my every day is so depressing, dude. I just want to listen to a song about good, good, good food or a, a river you can jump across or. Dude. You I mean, know, just people living their lives. Not, not. If I, if only I can escape this, this death. 
this death spiral of fucking pavement. It's like, no, I lived that. Well, I'm just thinking like, this is not, you don't write these kind of songs. <laughs> but, sh- but should you? Maybe, Maybe that's your next move. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, well, I'm very, I'm very self-conscious right now because I don't want my general distaste for that type of song to come across as snobbish. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm a little bit of a snob with that kind of stuff. I don't know. It just kind of, there, there's, I think there's some people in my life and I think frankly like relatives, like uncles that like songs like that remind me of, and it's not the like good kind of like uh, warm nostalgic. It was like, Oh, I'm fucking glad I don't have to see this asshole again. Um, kind of stuff. And, that is not fair to the songwriters nor the songs themselves. But I like, like I said, man, Texas cooking is a fun ass song. It's a I'm not, song. I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but if I've got to pick between that and LA freeway, it's no contest for me. I mean, LA freeway is a um, fucking great song, yeah. but I will say like just, of the other, uh, of the other um, guy tracks on here, like old time feeling. I like it. I, I'm never going to skip it. Yeah, never gonna same. skip it. it and but I don't love same, it. And the same goes for Desperado's "Waiting for a Train." I think it's, I think it's fine. I get it. I get why it matters. Yeah, but I feel the for same me, way. Like watching him pick when he's playing Texas cooking, like watching his hands go. I'm just so impressed. And that's so, pretty cool. I think it's so cool. Yeah, and just the whole the whole vibe of it, his attitude. It's just, it's. I don't know, like songs like that where you get that funk and that like that groove and you can see somebody having a good time. Yeah, I like that. That's fair. I really Nobody's having a good that. time playing L.A. Freeway. No, but I mean, it's about a hard moment. <laughs> yeah, but. But it's good. Maybe maybe I'm not here to have a good time. Um, What is that? It's become a meme now, right? And this has been hardcore troubadour. This has been hardcore troubadour, but it's isn't the the fucking um, I forget. It was like some a a Nine Inch Nails festival performance or whatever, and it's been memeified later. But like Trent Reznor like opens it up by basically being like, "Everybody here having a good time," and you know the crowd goes like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Well, that's fucking over." We're like, we're here to we're here to have a miserable time. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like starts so playing sick. yeah i know <laughs> and he like knew his audience too because it wasn't like you know like a nine inch nails headliner he was at some like big yeah. fucking festival where there's people there just like partying, partying. you know like that's it's so cool um fuck yeah man but it's that's the that's the beauty of this man is like goddamn the same motherfuckers mm-hmm. that can write this shit that, that breaks your heart. That breaks your heart, rips mm-hmm. it out on the floor, like, you know, like has you staring into the void, can write some shit that's like, that makes you be like, damn, life ain't bad. Yeah, barbecue's you know? cool. Barbecue's fucking cool, man. That I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to dispute that at all. Um, I've, you know, been vegetarian slash vegan for the better part of 20 years, and I still have very strong opinions about barbecue being a, a son of the South, you know, so respect. I got to respect that completely. Um, dude, always fun to do this, but this has Absolutely. been an especially fun episode. So yeah, if you don't know Heartworn Highways, not only is it, there's some cool shit in there, but I think 
the other thing, you know, plug we could put in is through both the, you know, documentary that you can watch for free and the soundtrack, you can get introduced to a lot of artists um, that you might not have been as familiar with, especially if you're somebody that like Steve Earle is your reason for listening to this podcast. Well, um, this could be a really nice introduction to Guy Clark Towns um, and some other folks that we oh, didn't yeah, know no, about. Absolutely. So it's a great um, jumping off point for several people and um, watch it for free. And yeah. it definitely has one canonical uh, Steve Earle song that everybody should, uh, should know. And if you ask me, too <laughs> yeah I, you know what <laughs> very fair and you darling uh, commit me rips I'm, I'm, hey man it does it. your opinion is worth listening to um and especially when it comes to steve and especially tyler i just admire your dedication to listening to like multiple versions of certain songs to figure out which one is the best because i'm finding myself often not having the patience but man that is a true appreciation for what's here and i think i spend a lot of time alone my friend (laughs) hey man i i love how every explanation of stuff is coming from like i have depression everything sucks (laughs) and i'm like oh right oh cool um i'm never alone anymore um yeah which i used to really value but my you know i don't know the the little munchkin that i that accompanies me at all times uh is starting to form his own musical tastes. And that's been both like so fucking awesome. And then sometimes annoying too, right? Because he's Mm -hmm. also like, when he likes something I like, it's like, there's no better feeling in the world when he wants to listen to what he wants Mm -hmm. versus what I want to listen to. We don't, we don't yet have the ability to like take turns and like switch off tracks. He's getting what he wants or he'll scream. At Um, least baby shark's not in the zeitgeist anymore. My brother it still it's, is. No. There's a thousand spin-offs of it though. Um there's a there's like Baby Shark Despacito, there's um I'm going to kill myself. I mean Yeah, it's not one of his most favorite things, thankfully, but um they Yeah, you can if there's ever a time where it's like, "All right, I need to occupy you for 5 minutes," and you look up Baby Shark, it'll be like there's there's an expanded baby shark universe if you are still listening at this point why I'm have you not depressed. cut off the podcast i'm depressed um, <laughs> you know who has some fucking tracks though coco melon anyway folks um if uh this has been hardcore troubadour and <laughs> we appreciate guess we exclusively talk about baby shark and the baby shark extended universe Dude, there were. I mean, there's a, there's a, a turtle comes by sometimes. I don't know. Oh it's my god! Wild. And how the sharks are like the victims in all of this. They've really turned the whole. I this is gonna have to be a separate episode. Because um, <laughs> I'm exposed to all this, but I don't get to talk to anybody about it. But you know, my wife and I try to talk about like important shit and not. Well, who's that fucking? Guy? Why is the grandpa always baking clams? Um, <laughs> All right. We appreciate y'all. And, oh, my uh, God. Keep fucking listening to good shit and be kind to one another. This is Hardcore Troubadour. Absolutely. <laughs>